Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater. Some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance? Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with GoldStar.com. GoldStar is in 26 cities around the country. So go to GoldStar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he got his first Broadway show by going to an open call and leaving it all on the floor. Welcome Jeremy Jordan to the podcast. 
My guest today is Jeremy Jordan, a Tony and Grammy-nominated actor and singer. He is currently starring on Broadway in American Sun. Other Broadway credits include Rock of Ages, Bonnie and Clyde, Newsies, and West Side Story. He starred for the past three years on the hit TV show Supergirl and was a series regular on Smash. He also has appeared on Law and Order, SVU, and other television programs. On film, he starred in the last five years, Joyful Noise, and the film version of Newsies. I am really thrilled to welcome award-winning actor Jeremy Jordan to the podcast. Why, hello. Hello. Now, you can choose. You can look at me or you can look at my um, airbrushed headshot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever. Either way, don't look at my <laughs> neck on either. That's oh, you're all fine. I ask. You you're... can never look at my neck. Oh, you're fine. Um, so I had the tremendous privilege of seeing American Sun the mm-hmm. other night. And it is uh, an incredibly compelling, provocative piece of theater. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And I thought about... You, who has done a lot of different kinds of parts, primarily Mm -hmm. musicals Mm -hmm. um, on stage and on film. And it must be, I think about what it takes to do a musical and what it takes to do a play. And there are muscles involved in both. But does this feel slightly like a vacation in terms of (laughs) (laughs) what it does to your body versus being in a musical? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in terms of like, you know, my physical well-being, although I'm like a little sick right now. But yes, and I in appreciate terms of that, your being here. It's fine. Maybe like four days ago, I would have been like, uh, can we reschedule? But I'm okay now. But um, but no, in terms of my physical and like vocal well-being, yeah, this is cake compared to like doing a really hard uh, singing show. Um you know, it's it, it it's a different kind of challenge, you know, because it's this play is like really rooted in truth, mm-hmm. and um, and it's and still I have the to, moment. Yeah, and it's very like very mo- moment to moment, and very much like listening and paying attention to every little tiny flicker of a beat between mm-hmm. you and the other people on stage because it's so exposed. There's nothing to hide behind. There's, you know, there's no like literally it's song a very and dance spare, to hide behind. Yeah. And it's a very minimalist set. Like it's beautiful and it lets you know yeah. you're in a police station. But it's very, yeah. it's minimalistic in that way. Yeah, exactly. But we trust each other really well. So it's more fun, especially when like little hiccups happen and like little, you know, wrenches get thrown in or we have an understudy come on or, or something like that. It's, it's, it's for me. Uh, it's 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 a little more fun than maybe for a couple other people in the show that have more like really heavy emotional well, stuff. Well, Harry Washington yeah. and Stephen Pasquale. I mean, it's it's gut wrenching. I mean, just to briefly describe it, it's about parents who have the worst thing happen, which is their children, their son doesn't come home yeah. one night. He's yeah. a teenager, and suddenly the panic sets in, and they do the thing that you can't believe you're doing, which is call the police station. Yeah, and of see is my son anywhere yeah. in your records and something shows up and they end up yeah. going to the police station and then you'll see the mm-hmm. play ladies and gentlemen and you'll find out what actually happened but it really is like you really have your it's hard to breathe during this play it's a very yeah. tightly packed is it 90 minutes it's just under 90 minutes right and it's you're really on this ride and it really is um what's remarkable why Jeremy's part is so remarkable is that aside from 
you sort of being representative of a lot of audience members. Yeah. Um, you also offer comedic relief at times. Here and, and there. Yeah. I mean, everyone, <laughs> what's remarkable about this play is it's very serious and it's yeah. about race relations in America and it, yeah. and it, um, and maybe worldwide in certain ways, but it feels like a, not just because the title is American Sun. It does feel yeah, like yeah. an American story of the day. It's definitely very, very, um, it's definitely very American, in, at least in its very specific uh, subject matter, yeah. which is um, deals with race in America and sort of uh, police and how police handle uh, different races and, and especially young men of color. And, uh, you know, of course, there are all different races around the world, but this is a very specific American problem, I think. Yeah. And, um, the, and the terror of being stopped by police if yeah, you're a person exactly. of color. It's terrifying. And, and what's you, you touched on it for a second, but what's really interesting about the play is there are four characters who are all very different um, and who offer very unique perspectives into this exact, into the same story. Mm-hmm. So um, no matter who you are in the audience, I, I think you can find one person that feels a lot like, like your you. point of view. Yeah, and then and then every character's point of view is challenged. Mm-hmm. Even like the righteous uh, mother is challenged. Even the yeah, and you know, and of course the the young cop who is sort of accidentally racist or incidentally racist really is is of course challenged. Well, it asks the, it well. begs the question: <clears throat> What is racist? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's 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 really it's it's a less it's less a, about and nobody actually says the word racist in the show. And and even the word race isn't even used in the show, I don't think. And it's it's really just like undertones uh, sort of coming to life. So like when these people are thrust into this very, um, you know, tense situation on high stakes, sort of the things that we don't normally say in real life get said. And um, I think what's really interesting and exciting to me is that the characters and the audience are forced to listen to things that we generally don't like to hear. You know, talking about race in a very frank and upfront way, Uh, especially, you know, white people. They tend to kind of shut down a little bit on that because they don't want to say the wrong thing or think the wrong thing. And it, it kind of gives everyone in the audience permission to really examine race in a, in a semi-objective way. I mean, it, you, of course, will have your own opinions and, it, and you'll have very strong opinions uh, whatever way you do lean. Um, but, you know, you see the perspective from the mother and the father's, uh, from the f- father's eyes. You see the police perspective. You see... Uh, an, elder, an elder policeman, <clears throat> a younger policeman. Yes, like, exactly. You see all generations yeah. also. You see a white dude and a black woman. Like, it's like, it's very... They're very sort of four different ends of the spectrum, and then most people sort of fall in between all these. And um, and of course, at the center of it is this biracial son, um, who kind of represents everybody. And by the end of the play, I think the audience we all kind of feel like he's our kid, and we all take kind of ownership mm-hmm. of him. And so you know we are just as invested as the mother is in finding out what happened. To this kid and um well there's a th- there it feels like a thriller at times too i mean yeah it really i mean does it's, have you, on the you, edge of you were seat. saying it's hard to breathe i mean i remember when i first read the play um you know it was super late at night and i was just gonna sort of read like the first few pages and sort of see how it's set up how and many then, pages am i in i know and then and then yeah basically you know my character <laughs> the things we do there's blah, a blah, for blah, that. my line blah blah my line <laughs> 
But I started reading it, and and it was like two o'clock in the morning, and I like took my first breath. It felt like after. So I it's on the, the page. page. It's also on the page. Yeah, it reads. It reads exactly the same way as what I experienced as, is listening to it. Yeah, and and of course we, you know, were changes made. Yeah, minor changes were made. Um, you know, really just clarity things. The 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 overall stories is exactly as it has been since we first got the script. But of course, you know, we make, you know, changes to, you know, uh, maybe further, you know, enhance the characters or like maybe certain words are switched around or, you know, just, just little things to make it as concise and clear and as natural as possible. But that was really it. So let me ask you something because the writer is white. The director mm-hmm. is black. Uh-huh. Some of the characters in the cast are white. Some of the characters in the cast are black. When you are starting to rehearse something like this, everything you talked about in terms of how we in the world worry about what to say or how yeah. to dialogue about these really tricky things mm-hmm. as a person of color versus a, yeah. a white person, when you're in a rehearsal room, how is it set up that everyone feels safe to ask questions without mm-hmm. feeling self-conscious, uh, to be sensitive but not um, not taking care of yourself as an actor in a play yeah. at the same time. How does a director set up a room like sure. that? Well, I mean... Or maybe it was a non-issue for you. I would, I'm it just curious. It wasn't, it wasn't as big of an issue for us because I think we all understood exactly what the material was intending. Mm-hmm. Which well, what was the material intending? Well, I don't think the material is political. Although I think most of the cast and the crew were, are, we weren't ever going to have issues on that on that regard. But I think it's really a humanity thing and like a morality thing and a sort of and and something that feels a lot more universal than you would imagine. And so as soon as we all sort of got together and realized that we all wanted to tell this exact same story mm-hmm. and we sort of figured out exactly what the story was, then it all just became in service to, you know, telling the story in the proper way, in the best, like most efficient, most effective way. And I think we all, you know, we, everybody in that room had read the script and loved it and sort of, you know, wouldn't have been there otherwise. Sure, of so like that is something that all already unified us. Um, now we all brought different perspectives to things, and I think that's really healthy. I mean, you know, I had to sort of challenge myself a little bit to sort of bring a new perspective to my character. And it's funny because Kenny Leon, who is our uh, black director, is <clears throat> sort of gave me a lot of things that I hadn't even considered, you know, that someone, uh, you know, a young white officer who, uh, you know, maybe wasn't as uh, woke as the kids say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, would have been bringing to the table because I am, you know, I live in New York City and, you know, I'm a little bit more progressive in my thinking. Like it takes me a little bit longer to think outside that right. that world. You right. Know? So, I mean, and, and it's so funny. I mean, I, one of the things that really struck me was that, um, you know, we have Kenny and then we have uh, uh, Eugene and also Jerome, who's one of our understudies, who are all black men. And we were talking about, you know, our pasts and uh, how, you know, what our different, you know, experiences with police officers were. And me and Steve Pasquale, 
we'd never been arrested. I mean, we might have had like a speeding ticket or something like that. But, you know, all of these other um, guys in our show have all had multiple negative experiences with cops about, you know, just just for, you know, racial profiling or being pulled over or taken out of the car or pushed to the ground or even taken into custody. And, and, and not for anything that, you know, anything abnormal that 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 they that normally would be deserving of that and uh that really opened up my eyes a little bit because you know and and just doing the play did at the same time because you know I'm you know come from an all white family and um you, grew up you know in grew Texas, up in Texas right? there's very there well, at least where I grew up there weren't a lot of black people there was a lot of hispanic people which is a different sort of story but um this specific story I just wasn't as keyed in on and what um, about Carrie? What about a woman of color at the center of the room? Yeah, I mean, her she's, experiences. She's, I mean, I can't speak for Carrie, but I think that she has, um, she brings a whole lot to the table. I mean, she's a, she's a big advocate for human rights um, outside of her life as an actor, and she's met so many incredible people and uh, done a lot for um, women and and women of color. That I, I mean. She had a lot to offer this, and she's a producer, and and um, she's a producer she, on the play. Yeah, and she she sent um you know she she sent this play to a lot of her colleagues, and and I and asked a lot of them to sort of give input and feedback as to like how they felt and like how we could use this play to do this, and you know we set up this thing called the Opportunity Agenda, which uh, we set up this thing with them, this company called the Opportunity Agenda, which inside all the programs. Uh, they create all these talking points. Yeah, there's like a that, curriculum, like yeah. sort of a wonderful. So you can like go online. You can like research different, um, you know, outreach things. You can you can get involved and try to make some difference if you were affected um, by the play. And uh, it's 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 really some really great stuff. But for for me personally, um, it's 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 I feel only strengthened my character as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that I mean, an I, amazing I, thing from yeah. a job? Like I mean, most I feel people's like, jobs don't do that. They don't intersect in that way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I go out and I look at the world in a very different way, you know? Like I, I think about my everyday life and and think about the things that I think about and try to expand that, you know? Like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not really considering other people's, you know, sensitivities mm-hmm. Um, in this specific regard, or if I talk to somebody and I say a certain trigger word, like, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that sort of thing? And I, and I think one of the cool things about the play in that regard is that I think it forces us to really reevaluate ourselves and reevaluate ourselves, whether we're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, uh, male, as female, as a human, and how we interact with people that are different than us, because we tend to have built in at least from at least societally built in is that a word societally it I is made it now up. uh built in you know uh pre uh, preconceptions of who people are based upon how they look mm-hmm. just 100 mm-hmm. percent. and even though we might be you know a little bit more progressive or you know think that we are are all, not doing that yeah we we still are in small little small ways and um and it, and it creeps into conversation and it creeps into conversation into the things we don't say and the things that, you know, we can't talk about because 
race is this big issue that we don't really ever address vocally. You know, it's like this sort of underlying thing. And until we can sort of talk it out and just like be open and free and not have to constantly be worrying about saying the wrong thing and constantly be worrying about, you know, this push and pull sort of nature and just speak to each other as human beings, uh, which, you know, we have a long way to go till we get to that 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 place. And I think that this play um, helps push us in that direction. So when you're doing a show like this, that you know where it's going. I mean, this isn't a spoiler alert. You you know the country we live in, and you know that chances are whatever's happened, it's not fantastic yeah. if your son is missing. How do you guys backstage, is there laughter? Is there a dance party before you go on? Are you all <laughs> in your separate corners? What's kind of going we, on before the show know, starts? We had considered before, well, you know, in our rehearsals after, I mean, I think this is the thing that Kenny does, but we started doing it too. In our rehearsals, after every rehearsal, we'd all get together and kind of stand in a circle, hold hands, and and say something positive or kind of uh, talk about why we're there and, uh, you know, sort of uplift each other. And uh, we thought about trying to do that before the show, every show, but then we realized, like, specifically Carrie has to really be in a very fragile state at the top of the show. And so what we decided to do is that as soon as the curtain falls, we all huddle together After and give each show. other a big hug and just kind of like breathe, exhale together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've done it enough at this point. You know, early on, it was really hard to exit out of that energy of the show. But, of course, with anything, repetition uh, helps us. Well, you us. can trust it. You can do the show yeah. and live your life. Yeah, it helps us to remove ourselves a little bit more from it. I mean, I'm a little bit lucky um, because I... I sort of am a little bit of the outsider in the sort of emotional story mm-hmm. of the show. And, of course, I have moments, but um, it's easier for me to exit the character, thankfully, because a lot of people don't like my character. <laughs> do you like him? I do like him, but I don't like certain things about him. I, I wish that I could, like, sit him down, like, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and just be like, yo, just be careful, like, as you get a little bit older and as you go into this, you know, profession or whatever you're it. doing. It's a people profession. Like, yeah, just, you know, maybe read a few books and, uh, you know, uh, acclimate yourself to a few other cultures. And I, and I think that he's uh, capable of getting there. And in my opinion, by the end of the play, he sort of he's begins something. to realize the consequences of what he has helped put in place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the end of the day, he's like he's just that one of the, he's like that thing that we all are at one point, no matter what race you are. It's that it's that you know sort of accidental racism, and it's it's tripping on something that you hadn't realized. It's saying something that you know that triggers another person that you're completely oblivious to, and then of course it does sort of go into actual like talking about it out loud and. And uh, that sort of thing of like, how am I any, you know, how am I any different than you? And why should I treat you differently? And it, there's like a, so many arguments that can be made. And, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I tackle him from a well-meaning standpoint and from a like, you know, I have my family and I'm doing this job for them. You're actually doing your job correctly. There's nothing that your character is doing in terms sure. of, I mean, you're you're by you're a little by the book. 
Yeah. I want to just say what's really incredible is that I've known you as an actor with one of the most beautiful human voices. Oh, that's and, very kind of you. Uh, so, A, it was exciting just to kind of get to see... I mean, I have kids, so Supergirl has been on <laughs> in my house, and it's actually a great show. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's actually a great show, and all the actors are really good yeah. on it. Um, so we got lucky. You did, and, and so there are... There are worse TV shows uh, to be on, and I actually love it, but it was... um, So it's not that I've never seen you act without singing. Yeah. But... um, Well, it's a little bit more lighthearted, that show, and my character's a goofy, kind of comedic guy. Yeah. But, you know, I, I realized I had seen you in every musical that you had done in New York, wow. and I was a real, Josh Safran is an old friend of mine, oh, yes. and I loved Smash very much, and when he came on, that was exciting yeah. to me, and I feel like you came on when he came on the show. Yeah, I may be brought, confusing he, the he seasons, brought, He brought but... me on season two. Okay. Josh did. He okay. was the, he, he, he was the showrunner he was the producer for, se- at the time. for season two, yeah. Yeah, so I want to know, uh, and I think everyone listening wants to know, when did you realize I sing better than most people? Oh, jeez. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I listen, I always knew, I guess I knew I had a good voice from like when I was, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something. Did other I used people to... sing in your family? No. I mean, uh, some of my, my, my grandma did theater but you she know, wasn't my like... my aunt did theater growing up a little bit. But no, I and I was very reluctant to to be a singer. Like I used to sing in the shower. Were you a jock? No, I mean I played baseball, but you know, I liked video games. I was just like a normal kid. Yeah. And um I I kind of got I kind of got pushed into joining a choir when I was like in 5th grade. I mean, I secretly liked singing, but I didn't like to, so you were a shower South, singer. Was, yeah, but I was like Texas, you know, where like joining choir was not cool. Like it's so funny, you know, back in the 90s when I was a when I was uh, you know, in in uh, middle school and stuff like that, early 90s. Nobody was out at any schools mm-hmm. in Texas. And now it's like it's totally different. But it wasn't on your radar. No, and I mean and well I well it wasn't that. It was like it was just like it was not cool. To do that, and if and it if wasn't you did, cool to be a boy who's singing in choir. Yeah, yeah, okay. and 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 uh, and and I didn't want to be labeled as something you know that was going to get me bullied. Mm-hmm. That was basically the sort of the sort of thing. And you know, the first label that they give you back in the early '90s in Texas was like, "Oh, dude, you're gay. You're like, you're you know." And even though I wasn't like, I didn't need to. I didn't need. The, I didn't want that energy in my life. But mm-hmm. uh, but I I eventually sort of gave in, and a bunch and a few of my friends and I joined at the same time. Other straight guys. <laughs> I I don't know. I guess, but we were kids. Right. But it wasn't even that. It was, it was that wasn't really until middle school, high school that that became like a more of a, of a fear thing. Which I'm so glad it's not any. Well, I'm sure it still is, but I'm sure I'm glad that it's not as as prevalent. Um, at least from people that I talked to growing. Uh, that, you know, that are younger from where I grew up. But by the way, not for nothing, shows like Glee, I mean, the power of television also to kind of mass market an idea that's positive. Yeah. Smash, I mean, there were shows that kind of put it into popular culture. Yeah. Pitch Perfect is a movie. Totally. Like, it's actually cool. And that's when I like TV. Yeah, no, of course. That's when I'm not mad at it. Yeah, of course. And and I, you know, once I did... But we didn't have that. Once I did join... 
I, I started to get more confidence about it. And then I stayed in choir all through middle school and high school, and it was kind of my thing. I was like the choir dude. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I guess I did know that I was... I was Were you a getting good solos? Singer. Yeah, I got I got like the good solos and and once we started doing competition stuff, especially in high school, I would, you know, make it to the top. Like I made all state a couple of years and I And is anyone introducing you to Broadway cast recordings at that time or is it more <clears throat> pop songs? No, or... I didn't no, I didn't see Broadway didn't come around like uh, to me for a while. When I was in ninth grade I we did our choir concert at the local community theater, which I had done a couple shows growing up because my grandma did like the youth theater program. And it was like fun over Sweet. the summer, but like it wasn't anything special to me. And and I really didn't know musicals. I mean, I knew of like Les Mis and Cats, but I didn't really know a lot. And your parents were not playing those albums in your house? No, no, they weren't. I mean, and we would go to the theater every once in a while, but it wasn't really in my mind. And And I like to go home and like, scream to the radio in my room, you know, slam the door and pretend that nobody else was there and just go Like, shouting. who were you? Like, who did you love? What oh, you know, it was or... the 90s. So I loved all those, like, 90s alternative pops groups, like, you know, Third Eye Blind and, and Green Day and Nirvana and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And then I, um, you know, we did that concert and somebody at the community theater asked me if I wanted to like do the summer musical because they needed boys that could sing. I was like, okay, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. So I showed up and I did that and it was fun. And then they asked me to to, to be in the ensemble of South Pacific because they needed more dudes. I was like, okay. And then I just kind of started doing, you know, small little ensemble or supporting things at the community theater because I didn't really know how to act or even really know how to try to how to know right. how to act. I would just go on stage and sing and like make faces and And was home. anyone giving you like vocal mentoring or are you also just singing? I mean, my choir teacher was pretty good teacher. I didn't really get voice lessons though, so it was a very sort of raw. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't careful, I would lose my voice a lot, especially in high school and like early college before I really got a really good voice teacher. I love that then you're in <clears throat> rock of ages. And like the idea that you can learn how to do that eight times a week. Well, I don't know if I quite got that far with that show. (laughs) I know you definitely did it at least once. I did it many times. Yes. But I was on, I was a swing in that show. Right. And uh, it's so funny because I, I really didn't have any business being in that show, but it was one of those things where I went in for an open call. Literally? Like an equity call? Yeah, I went in for an equity call because I, I had an agent at the time, but. I don't think that I was really right for any of the roles. Like there was like the little German boy who was like uh, cute and like silly, but I was like a little more masculine mm-hmm. for that. And then there was like the lead guy who was like a big heavy rock and roll singer. And like I wasn't that either, but I was just enough in between that like I could make them both work. And so I went in and and uh, and tried out for the swing and and ended up getting getting, getting the you know, the original cast as a swing because I could do those, both of those roles kind of, I could justifiably do both roles. And We're skipping ahead, but this was your Broadway <sighs> debut, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's how you got on Broadway. Yeah, it was a, I went to an open call and uh, just said, screw it. I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to get this. So, I mean, when I went into that audition, I just like threw everything out the window. Like it was a big, it was a rock and roll show. So I'm like doing knee slides, I'm air guitaring, I'm like swinging off things in the room. 
I broke like a chair or a coat rack or something because I was just like going to rock and roll. And they were just like staring at me like, what is this kid doing? But they got and it. I, and I totally lost my voice the next day because I was going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then literally the next day when they when they called me and said, you got the part, I was like, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I'll tell Johnny. He's not home right now. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this. Away, but we'll figure it out. So wait, so you have an agent? Do they call you directly, and then you tell your agent? You just no, no. I mean, the, the, they... I had a call back, and they okay. called. I mean, because when official. I went in for my open call, you give them your resume, yeah, yeah, the agent's yeah. name's on it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so it got official. Yeah, you still had to give that ten percent away. Oh yeah, I had to give that ten percent for show. Yeah, so you. Because do... they negotiated my sure equity, you did. my equity minimum. <laughs> your your shared your shared dressing room on the mm-hmm. fifth floor. But listen, that show was fun. Oh yeah, it was great. And you got to do it. Wasn't your wife in that show? She was, but long after I had left. So, so you didn't meet doing that show? No, no. We did kind of meet because of it. Mm-hmm. Because she was auditioning before she got it. She was auditioning for like the first replacement, and um. And she was looking at videos online just to sort of get a feel for the show because she was out of town. She was like doing regional theater or something. Mm-hmm. And so she hadn't seen the show. And she was with one of her friends, I think, and saw a video of me doing something stupid from the show. And she's like, who's that? That's the number. The something yeah, yeah, stupid yeah. number. I, don't yes. know, just, I was just like belting some ridiculously yes. high note. She's like, who's this guy? And the, oh, that's Jeremy. You know, you should say hello. And she's like, oh, that's stupid. I would. So she sent she sent me a message on Facebook under uh-huh. the guise of like, "Hi, we know so and so in common, and like I'm auditioning for the show. Like, any s- tips? Do you have any advice? Yeah. yeah. She literally like asked for advice, and I was like, mm, "Okay. Yeah, I, I got advice. You. Yeah, and so marry me. <clears throat> yeah, right. And so uh, you know, we we like communicated on like Facebook Messenger. This is before I stopped like allowing random people to add me on Facebook because mm-hmm. it got out of hand. Well, you already had fans. a wife. Uh, you're not Mormon. You didn't need many wives. Exactly. You're good. Yeah, but so so we um yeah, so we finally met up um you know, a few months later kind of blindly. I mean, I'd seen her do hairspray. Okay. And she, you know, had seen I her mean, name we knew is we Ashley were, Spencer. Yes, her by name the is way. Ashley Spencer, just, my beautiful wife. Just and, so um, listeners can Google while yeah. they listen. And so, yeah, we we just like met up and she was wearing like five inch heels and towered above me. And I was like, and she still is. Yeah. Uh, well, she's about, we're about the same size without when shoes. you wear heels, when I wear heels, I'm so tall. You're much, much taller. Way taller. So you, that's how you met. And then you started dating. And we started dating. And that was, uh, it, I think we spent, we literally spent like the first 48 hours we met together and like did not leave each other's sides. That's it was, so sweet. Is it so fun singing together oh yeah we do it all the time i mean we it's just like normal for us though like but you know that's not normal for everyone like to get to both of you sing <clears throat> like that together that must be the best yeah i mean we, we what was really fun you know because i've done a lot of concerts and stuff and she will occasionally come and sing a song with me mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's always really fun but you know it's still like my concert and she's like the guest and then this past summer in july we did um we did a concert together uh, here in the city, and it was, it was as brilliant. partners, it was, yeah, yeah. It was and you brilliant. created it together, and kind yeah, of it was really it. fun, and and uh, you know we can kind of do whatever we wanted, and 
hopefully we'll get to do it again once things get a little less busy but you know yeah it's we it's great singing together you know our dream is sort of is still and we haven't really been able to do it is is to do a show together like a real show but hasn't worked out yet we'll we'll make it happen eventually all right well it's a new year and we can start with new wishes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put that out into the universe for you guys. Yes. Did you go to college for theater? I did. I went to Ithaca College. Which has a theater program. They certainly do. Uh, yeah, they have a great theater program. You it's were one of the, in it. one of the best in the country. Were, were you in a musical theater program? I was or... a musical theater major, yeah. And did you have street cred right away at that school <laughs> as a... Uh... No, went to, went no, to because I had literally to. no idea what I was doing. So they so t- like, you started at ground zero, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a choir kid, right? Right. So I was a choir kid. I that I was always a good singer, and I had like done some theater at the community theater. I'd literally never played a lead role before. Okay. I'd done like the best that I'd ever done was like, oh gosh, maybe like the the Dodger and Oliver. That was like the biggest role I'd ever played. So did you think when you left high school and thought about college, I'm going to be an actor professionally? Or were you... Yeah, I did actually because... Why? I mean, I had to because I, I joined a musical theater program, but I... When did it switch to this is like this is my passion and my calling? Yeah, well, I, when I was a junior in high school, I did, um, I did a show called The Fantastics, which is a musical. That run, and, does it still run here? I feel like it ran no, for they 100 ju- it years. Just, it just closed, actually. I just missed it. They just closed. It was <laughs> at the Snapple Theater. After 100 years. Because it was one of my first auditions when I got to the city, actually. I didn't get it. But I, um, I, it's a musical, but there's one character in it called The Mute who doesn't sing or speak. Mm. And they decided to cast older with that show when I was a junior. And so, Isn't it kids? Yeah, they're like young kids and their parents, but they just did an they older cast. They wanted some distance. Yeah, they just wanted like people that could actually act it, and I guess they didn't have the kids down in South sure. Texas to do it at the community theater. So the director liked me, so he cast me as the mute, and I was like, mm, okay, whatever. But what it did was, for the first time, kind of force me to listen hmm. and not to just like stand there and rely on my voice and like emote and just be that like croony singer dude and and you know everything else goes away it was right. like i was forced to like be a part of the action and be a part of the sort of storytelling element of it was that and humbling it was humbling but it was also really really exciting to me uh when i realized how incredible it is to sort of shed your own skin and become somebody else so you and had I don't awareness think... at a young age <clears throat> like what you're describing it 15 or 16 yeah. youth could think in those terms. Like you could think artistically. Yeah, well, I don't think that I would have ever made this choice about my about my career otherwise. Without I that. mean, I might have done a, I might have gone into a music career, but I most likely would not have gone into any sort of arts career because I was a smart kid. I wanted to get like a computer degree or, or engineering or science or something. Mm-hmm. And then the, one of the guys in the show, the, the lead guy was an older guy, had sort of said... And he was from, you know, upstate New York. He's from the New York area. He wanted to, you know, do this as a living, and he kind of never did it. It didn't happen. And he just didn't, he just didn't try it. Mm. But he was good, and he was like, I think that you, and I've been around the block a few times, and I think that you actually have what it takes if this is what you want to do. I was like, really? And so, um, I mean, I knew I was a good enough singer. At least I thought I was. And um, he kind of got me sort of started he got he gave me a bunch of monologues hmm. he gave me a bunch of songs to add to my book he set me up with a bunch of colleges that he thought that um, might have good programs and um, 
I applied to like five or six of them and went out and just uh, tried to rely on my gut instincts, which is all I had at that time. I had no training whatsoever. So when I got to school, yeah, did you I audition for Ithaca? Oh yeah, I did. And uh, when I got when I got there, I didn't I didn't have any clue what I was doing. And I did musical theater only because. I like to sing and I like to act and it seemed natural not really realizing that musical theater was like a whole thing in itself. <laughs> when you say that what do you mean? What do you see I mean, in your head? Yeah, I mean musical theater is like a very is a very specific sort of school of thought in somebody's brain. Like you think oh acting in a play or doing musical theater. You think, oh, I'm in a TV show or movie. Oh, I'm in musical theater. Hmm. Like it's a very specific sort of genre and the kind of people that it breeds are very specific and tend to be taken less seriously. But at the same time, it's like this beautiful thing of like expressing yourself through song and and this this beautiful medium that is, I think, incredibly underappreciated and uh and i just i just as a kid growing up in south texas like it's just singing and acting right right it's like doing both and like they come together and it's great but no it's like this whole so when you're in college do you start being educated about sondheim and james lapine and jason like like you start learning who these people are who the gods are oh yeah i mean i just delved into all the albums i mean i i i got as many as i could and i would you know, pirate them from the library and I would listen to my friends and I would just try to like immerse myself and understand, you know, style and and different artists and and characters and how other people did it ahead of me. I mean, a lot of that's what a lot of it is, which is so funny because kids will always say like, you know, listening to your albums and stuff is like helps me get this or like, oh, when I prepare for this role, I listen to you do it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I did that too. Weird. Yeah, even and though now I, I'm even that. though like now I wouldn't do that. Like now I'm at the point where, if if I was gonna do something that somebody else did, I would not even listen to one second of it. Right, because you I don't want to be influenced by that. But you had <clears throat> to if you were in college in the '90s. Like the show, the last five years for me was, tr- and remains one of my favorite musicals. Oh yeah, and it it changed. What a mu- I mean, a lot of musicals, I say this, changed what musical theater yeah. meant to me. But that one was like a show I, you know, I think The King and I is gorgeous. I don't imagine myself in that show. Yeah. I can escape my life with that show. Yeah, exactly. But, but Jason Robert Brown's score and li- all of that, I was like, oh, I could live in that show. Yeah. I know Jamie and I'm that, like, I get it. Yeah. And so I would imagine you were listening to that just the way the years chronologically work, yeah, yeah, you had yeah. to be aware of that show, even yeah, if you well, didn't like, see it, came it out, in New it York. Came out, it came out right before I went to college, right? And so like you didn't the, see or like it. Two thousand, two thousand one, or something like that. I never saw it, but everybody knew it. Yeah. In fact, it was like and it was you the big. To it. it was the big thing when I was in college, and it was like, and it was hard. Like it wasn't easy material, and so like it sort of became that sort of standard. That like you would judge you and your yourself and your peers by like if you could really like nail that song from the last five years in like, class just in just as a general like rule of thumb like right. if you could really nail a song from the last five years like 
you were ready. Like you can you go could to New York. It. Yeah, you could go to New York. You could, yeah, you like it was. It was like. Did you? It was like it was like our Sondheim almost. Did you? Did you master it and then go to New York and get I Rock certainly of Ages? tried. I certainly tried, and I certainly had the whole thing memorized, which is so funny. When I finally auditioned for it for the movie, I mean, I was like, "What song do you want me to do?" Like, I'll do it right now. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do Kathy's song. I was gonna say, like, I could do that Like, what do you need? Too. I got yeah. it. I got it. <laughs> and you got it. I so did get it. When was that movie post? That was Newsies? post every every other Broadway show I've done except for American Sun. The last Broadway show I did was 2012, which was Newsies. And do you then, get recognized for that all the time? Is that the thing yeah, that Newsies follows was you like, around? Newsies was the big one. Like if you went me. to Broadway Con, yeah, Newsies was be... the big one. I mean, people like Bonnie and Clyde too, and it's become like a little bit of a cult yeah thing, but. I mean, Newsies is what put me sort of on the map with theater community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, lo- I owe a lot of my sort of success to that, you know. That moment. Sort of, you know, pushing me forward into other things. Like I got smashed right out of Newsies. You got nominated for a Tony. I did. So cool. you were not a kid. I've had many boys from Texas sit in the chair you're in. John Benjamin Hickey and There's Michael Urey and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wonderful, wonderful performers um, who did grow up watching the Tonys. So when they were then a part of the Tonys, not only was it an affirmation of the work, it was like their whole life flashed before their eyes. It sounds like you had a sort of different relationship to it. Yeah, I never watched the Tonys. Right, up. like it wasn't your thing, but... Being nominated is a fantastic feeling. Totally. How did you find out? <laughs> Just like, you know, in bed. Mm-hmm. Because they come out like early as hell in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And so I was just laying there with my wife and we mm-hmm. watched the, you know, we watched the like live stream of it or watched it on New York One or whatever they yeah. broadcast it. Both. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was exciting. Um, did that nomination it was weird be- change it's, things? Yeah. It was a little weird because, and I hate to say this out loud, but like everybody expected it. Mm-hmm. And I guess I expected it too, but like it was almost like that feeling like if it didn't happen, it'd be really terrible. So it was like a relief when it happened, right. which Look at all the kind people of, you'd let down. which kind of sucks because like it took some of the excitement out of it for me. But, um, and made you feel but then pressure. After, but then afterwards, like it was exciting, you know, once the, all the other stuff started happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's tough when you're doing a show though, and you, like you're nominated because then you like have to wake up early and do all this press, and you're like, I have to do eight shows a week still. Yeah. And this show was not not easy. It was Are, a hard show. Well, there's a lot of <clears throat> movement in Newsies. Andrew Keenan Bolger was here. He's like, thank God I had the crutches because yeah. he is. I'm not a dancer. Um, and yeah. being crutchy was the best thing that ever happened to me. But you're yeah. you were dancing. I lost a lot of weight doing that show. I know. I need to do Newsies. <laughs> I need. Yeah, to I, I lost a little too much weight at one point. I was like, but how did you learn how to dance? Oh God. See, here, here's the thing. All I right. didn't, and I and I'm not a very good dancer, but I can. Trick people. <laughs> do you do jazz hands up here? Yeah. Look up I'm here. I'm really good at tricking people into thinking that I know what I'm doing. Do you, so you trick yourself. But if you yourself. really look, you're like, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he just looks like he does. The good news is you ended up in the right spot and you didn't trip anyone. Nope. Yeah. No one got hurt. And on the Tonys, for like the first time, probably, and maybe only time ever during the entire run, I nailed that double pirouette 
perfectly, and I've and of course they shoved me in the very back for it, but mm. I was fine. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. Perfectly. I did it. I did, I did it. Perfectly. If nothing else, yeah. Forget winning. <laughs> I just, I am a winner. Yes. I did a double pirouette. That's right. So I feel like when you go into Rock of Ages, and you're like, I'm just going to do it, balls to the wall, and see, is that an expression? Well, to- maybe... totally balls to the wall. <laughs> That's kind of whatever that means. I mean, I probably literally went balls to the wall at one point during that audition. Right. Like I was jumping around the room. Right. You're like I. At least balls to the floor. <laughs> so you limped. You lived okay, out. They're like, balls. we are going to cast him because he's in pain and it's the right thing to do. <laughs> um, there's something about your story and in kind of my deep dive into Jeremy Jordan mm. through the beautiful world of Google. <laughs> there are many stories. And I'd love if you could tell the last five years story of you advocating for yourself and not right. following the rules. And. I want you to tell that story, if you don't mind, about mm. how you sort of tried to do what you could to get that job beyond yeah. the audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I want to follow up with where does that come from, that feeling mm-hmm. of, like, I've got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, like we said before, I loved the last five years, and I grew up in college with it, and it was I knew it by heart, and... um you know, once the auditions came around and they hadn't found anybody for the male lead, because they already had Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. and I think I'm sure, and I know, I know, I'm not sure. I know that they looked at like bigger names, and it's a hard sing, it's a hard role to to sing, and I think they needed someone that could really mm-hmm. do the vocals justice. So they looked to some Broadway guys, and you know, I had done a season of Smash, and it was canceled at that point. So I um. You know, I went in initially, and I thought I did pretty good. I think we started out with um, "If I Didn't Believe in You" was like the big audition number, Is or it... no, no, no. It was um, it was uh, "Moving Too Fast." That was like the first one. And are you are they handling it like you would be auditioning for a Broadway musical, sort of the same vibe, or um, does it feel like of. a film? Yeah, it was a little more film vibe. It was just the director in the room, okay. and like uh, the casting director and a camera and a guy playing the piano. Okay. I know he ran it with me a couple times, and I felt pretty good about it. And then I came back in for a callback. Do you did... see other guys there at any of these meetings? The first one. This After that, it was, I didn't see anybody else okay. there. That's better. Yeah, it's better, but then you're like, but I still don't have it. So what? <laughs> was there someone in the closet? There are people. Yeah. Well, there I know there are people sending in tapes. Yeah. And, but, re, I mean, aside from all that, I try to remove myself a little bit from the competition aspect of it because you got to compete with yourself more mm-hmm. than anybody else. Um, because if you can sort of win that competition, then regardless if you get the role or not, then, I, I mean, that's a that's a victory to me. And so I went and did another, I did, um, you know, uh, If I Didn't Believe in You to like do a little bit more dramatic thing. And I still felt like I did pretty good, but I just didn't feel the energy from the director of being like, this is our guy. So he's not chatting with you a lot or he's just more He was, he was, but like he was just tentative. And I was Hmm. like, how do I get this? And uh, and then I had, I think I had a third audition where we came in and I did like the Shmuel song because he wanted to see if I could do comedy. I was like, can I do comedy? (laughs) Because I really hadn't done a lot of comedy. At, (laughs) At least not like... Not in like the main things that I'd done, like Smash. It wasn't funny. 
Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, Newsies had comedic elements. Right, but you're um, not, you know, West Side not Story is not really funny. Yeah. Rock of Ages was funny, but nobody saw me do the funny stuff, mm-hmm. really. And so, um, you know, I needed to sort of get that out. And so I did that, and I thought I felt good about that, too. And then it was still like, you know, I got this kind of feedback from my agents. It was just like, <clears throat> they're not sure. You know, there, there's a couple of the guys in the mix. You know, we're really just going to have to wait this out. And I was like, you know what? Screw no. this. No. I, so I got the directors, uh, Richard LeGravene is a great, wonderful guy, directors. Um, he also wrote the sort of adaptation of it. Mm-hmm. I got his email or something, and I just sat down and I just was like, hey, Richard, um, it was lovely working with you like here and there. I just wanted to, you know, say a few words By the about way, listeners, the project. Jeremy is typing on the table. Yeah, He's reenacting. Naturally. I just want to say a few words. <laughs> Ding. I wasn't using a typewriter. It was an email. Ding. I wanted to say a few words about the project and just like what I feel I could bring to it and how much this means to me and um, and take it or leave it. But um, I do really feel like I could be great in this role and we could really make something beautiful together. And here are my ideas for what we could do for the show. And so I like I I not only pleaded my case, but I like sort of. I mean, I just talked to him about the character and about, like, how beautiful the show could be on film and, like, different ways that we could sort of work together and, like, what I could bring to the table that maybe other people couldn't and, like, how, you know, trying to, trying to come at it from, like, a creative standpoint right. and not just, like, I'm the best actor. Right. No, but, like, a collaborator. You know? Yeah, exactly, from a collaborative standpoint. And uh, Had I you just ever can't... met Anna during the audition process? No. no. And was Jason no. Robert Brown in the room? No. Okay, so they're looking at tapes somewhere. You'd never work yes. with them during yeah, the yeah. audition Yeah, yeah, no, I only process. met the director and, like, Telsey. Right. And um, who's casting director. And then, um, yeah, and I sent it, and he sent me, a, you know, a short email back and being, like, thanking me for my candor and sort of, like, that's You're like, very what does that of... mean? And then, like, a couple weeks later, on Valentine's Day, I got the call. He sent you a Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> I, was on my, I was on my way because my wife and I were going to a nice dinner, and I had to, like, park the car like four blocks away so I dropped her off so she could like get the reservation on time and I was walking back from the parking garage and they and I my agent called me and was like this is it so I walked and I was like I got it were you crying no but But I mean it was exciting was that of all the wins like when you think of the yeses because we god knows there are a lot of no's that was definitely one of the best yeses for me what are the other like best yeses Gosh. Well, I mean, I guess my first Broadway gig was a really great yes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got smashed was a great yes. Even though I kind of thought I was going to get it, the actual actually getting it was really exciting because I love TV and I always wanted to be on, on TV. And, and uh, you know, and my mom was there when I got it, which was kind of cute. She we was were... visiting? Yeah, she was visiting at the moment. Was she so... in the... She didn't go no, on No, it's funny. I was my, my wife and I were actually like signing a lease for a new apartment that we could barely afford. We're like, oh, God, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> called me while I was in the leasing office. I was like, sign the check. I'm making that TV money. And We're going to give you four months up front. And my mom was at home you know, waiting for us to come back. And I like walked. In, I walked in and I said, hey, mom, guess what? She said, what? I said, let me be your star. And she's like, ah! It was the cheesiest thing I've ever done in my entire life, but she loved it. So, do but. you think that Bombshell will become a Broadway musical? No. Okay. 
Well, it's then too, we're it's done. It's too hard. <laughs> is it? Who's going to do all... Every song... It's already been is, done. Every, every song is a massive production number and vocally in te- insane. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't make. I wouldn't want any girl to like have to do ten of those like numbers. It's too much. It's too much. Which is why you know when we did the concert of it, they split it between two girls. Right, because it was too much. Yeah, Just I don't. Like the show. I don't think it's ever gonna happen. But I don't know. But that. I, but I don't. Here's the other thing: is like I wasn't really a part of all that mm. stuff. So my only opinion is like as an outsider, mm-hmm. being like, I think that's like not tough. a good idea. No, I don't think it's not a good idea. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean vocally to... for the person. Oh, yeah. It would be super hard. I wouldn't want to do that as a girl. I'd be like, nope, that's too much. Yeah. Do you know? Well, they could split it. I think, look, True West, they do, you know, they You know, they're doing like the share show that way, and they did the summer thing. and Little Marilyn, medium Marilyn, and Thanks. big Marilyn. <laughs> I don't know if you say um, it that way. Do you? Do you... <laughs> yeah. I just spent many <clears throat> years. We had like seven parties, and at the last minute, I was like... I don't want to go anywhere. And we ended up watching this amazing Arthur Miller documentary. Mm. And I highly recommend it. It's like Mike Nichols and and all these amazing people are interviewed about him. But they just go into that chapter of Marilyn and the Misfits and Mm. that whole history. And it's incredible. Just as an aside, that was my New Year's. Got you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I want you to hear the part where we were invited to a lot of parties and I decided not to do that. I hope that that was clear. Do you know what's next? Well, it's a mixed bag. Nothing super huge, really. Um, Once the show's over, I'm going back to do a few episodes of Supergirl. My kids will be really happy. Yeah. Um, Your bank account will be happy. My bank account will be happy. Yeah. Well, my wife and I are building a house. So we're you have spending. have no bank account. We're spending all our money on the house. So I need a little bit extra. And um, yeah, there's like a, there's a, there might be a sneaky film opportunity in there that I can't really say anything to. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm doing concerts like I do. And, um, and I'm working on this, uh, this album that I've been trying to make forever. You buried the lead, my friend. Yeah. That's thrilling. I like to do that. And is that original songs that you've written? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been writing stuff since I was like in high school. Now that stuff is terrible, um, and I still have the lyrics to prove it. But as I got a little bit older, like post college, I started writing again, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and uh, and uh, and so through the years, I just kind of as a hobby. You know, maybe two or three songs a year just kind of come out, and and uh, in my spare time, I'll work on them. And so I have this like kind of little folder of songs that I, I've always wanted to do something with, and I was either too scared to put myself out there, or too busy, or like didn't know the right people. And uh, and once I got through with like, you know, once I started getting a little bit more clout and people starting to know who I was mm-hmm. and I had a little bit more time on my hands I started to work it out and I was in doing Supergirl and, and originally time. when I was in LA and I met up with a few producers and a few people and buddy and I buddy of mine and I put together like a four song demo and started shopping it out to people and um so we're in the process of of recording some stuff and uh, it's a slow process because you know I'm doing eight shows a week. Yeah. But once that's over, although I'm sure I'll be busy with something else, so it's it's a little bit slower. 
process. Are you in your dressing room working on that sometimes when you're off stage? Sometimes, sometimes. But the, the thing is, like, most of the stuff that I have for this first album, I say first album because I plan to do more, mm-hmm. hopefully. Cause, and I've always wanted, people have always like, why don't you have an album? I was like, because I've always wanted my first thing to be, like, not musical, right? theater related. Because to I be do yours. have, like, a pop sort of alternate rock sensibility singer-songwriter thing. And I, and I really love exploring that side of me. It's like, a different it's like outside of this world of theater and and all that sort of stuff but while still be, being influenced by you can't help being influenced storytelling elements sort of come into place and and that sort of thing um but yeah i mean a lot of it's all sort of done on my end what i need what i need help with and i realize that it's okay to ask people to help you <laughs> and uh is you know putting it together musically and uh you know, producing it and making it sound perfect and all that stuff. So that's that's kind of the stage we're in right now. And uh, that's exciting. Yeah, we've got a few recorded and uh, hopefully get a few more and then, you know, and then release it. I mean, it's more of a passion project. I'm not like looking to be like a big star. You know, if people like it, great. If not, whatever. Do you um, have a name for it? Is there a title for the album? No, I have ideas. We can do like a giveaway. People can write them in and they'll get this signed playbill by Jeremy Jordan. No, I'm not going to let other people decide my album title. You don't think? No, no. It's too personal. It's very personal. But um, but yeah, hopefully well, we'll, we'll still do a giveaway, but we won't choose your title, yeah, I think yeah, is yeah. what we're saying. Truth. But we'll totally do Truth. the giveaway. Like you give me and like, if you want to like donate money to the album I'll put your name in as special thanks. Totally. <laughs> so we are we are starting the Kickstarter today yes. right now for oh, Jeremy God. Jordan's album. It's so funny because Be More Chill is going to Broadway. Joe Iconis wrote Broadway Here I Come, uh-huh, a uh-huh. song that you are all over the YouTube singing. Yeah, that's so, the, that was my first that was my first episode of Smash. I was singing yeah. that song, which funny funny enough like he, he didn't write for that at all. I mean, it was just a song that he had written for his concerts. And oddly enough, Krista sang it originally, I think. Maybe she was one of the first people to sing it. Krista Rodriguez, who was in Smash with me. But yeah. I sang the song. She's fantastic, too. But oh, it's yeah. your She's, song. I love her. But yeah. But, it's, well, it's become that song from Smash, you know, which is exciting. And I do it all the time. Yeah. So. It's a beautiful anthem. But it was very, yeah, it's funny. It's it's anthemic, but it's also, like, really sad at the same time, if you really think about well, it. Well, if you listen to the lyrics... <laughs> Well, it's just like one of those things that like it become it's like sort of diving into this world, this sort of terrifying world of art and putting yourself out there and judgment and and huge uh, percentage of failure is akin to like leap throwing yourself off the building. You know, sometimes, you know, it's 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 thrilling, but it's also terrifying at the same time. It just lands in your voice really beautifully. Hmm. It just felt like about dreaming. Like, yeah. what do you do I think with if, your dreams? I, I think and if, they crash and burn or they, yeah. or you, you know, rise up to some unforeseeable height that you could never have imagined. Yeah. It's even better than I what I think you if imagined. some of the, some of the big wigs at NBC had really listened to the lyrics, they wouldn't have let it be on, on film. They, right. they just thought it was like, oh, we're oh, going to Broadway. pretty musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we're actually killing ourselves. Shh. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, I am so happy that you came today. I really appreciate well, thanks it. Thanks for having me. I know what appreciate it is it. to do eight shows a week, and this was a ninth, so thank you for oh, being no. here. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Until next time.
Thank you so much for listening. Do you know there are over 120 episodes of Little Known Facts with Alana Levine at this point? So if you love this one, but you're a new listener, go back to the beginning and catch up. I promise you every episode will shed a light on an artist that inspires you in a whole new way. It is such a pleasure to make this podcast for you, and I hope if you love listening as much as I love making it, that you'll head over to my website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. There's a donation page, and truly, any donation, large or small, makes such a huge impact on my being able to make over a 100 more episodes for you guys, so I really, really appreciate it. I record this podcast at the Hangar Studios in New York City. If you ever are interested in making your own podcast or any kind of recording, go to thehangerstudios.com and get more information on how they make the magic happen. Thanks for listening.